Good morning, everybody. It's October 1st. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR, and our guest this week is Philip Rosedale, founder of Second Life and High Fidelity. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Charlie. We're very excited to have Philip on. We're legit fans, and he's a, one of the earliest creators of the future uh, that we live in today. So uh, I think it's going to be a good interview, and it's a big news week. We've got a lot of interesting things to cover today. Yeah, let's get to the news. Yes. So uh, great story in the Washington Post this week. Um, don't know why, but Epic chose the Washington Post as its platform for declaring uh, the definition of the metaverse. And of course, he had some choice words for his friends uh, at Apple and Facebook. So um, uh, what, what are we, you read the article, Ted. What oh yeah, no, I, not only did I do this, not only did I read the article that it was one that I, as I say, sent around the horn, right? So <laughs> a lot of my, my uh, work colleagues across the like, CVS universe, I was like, look guys, you know, there's a tremendous amount of media around this metaverse thing and all of its tentacles and all the way it's going. Every once in a while, there's an article that is really well-researched, really well thought out, really well discussed. Yeah, well, clearly this person had spent some time down there. Uh, yeah. Well, to a lot of people about this. Yeah, and dug into the controversy, dug into the real story. And I said, this is one to read. Like you could ignore 90% of the other stuff that I kick over and say, this might be interesting. This is more than interesting. It's informative and it'll keep you on the track of how big these opportunities are, what the players are doing. It's a very, very good article to read. So, so Google it up or um, better yet, go to my column in Forbes. Yeah, you can find it on Charlie's Forbes column. That's the link for it, yeah. But what I thought was interesting and a, and a little bit disheartening, I have to say, is, mm-hmm. is I clearly they are focused on Fortnite. They didn't come out and say it, but everything, every metaphor that he used sounded like he was talking about Fortnite. So, right. so he said, um, specifically, you can play a game or socialize or drive a car in the virtual world or you know, watch, watch Netflix together. So I think there's a pretty strong signal in there. Netflix is coming to Fortnite. And, and they, they're gonna build in some social option where you can invite friends into a room and do stuff there. Right, well, and, and as you know, Charlie, a big part of my daily work is sort of studying the humanity and, and the, 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 the social understanding of of why these things happen. And if and it is human nature to take the things that you are interested in and talk about them and profess them to, this is the direction I believe this should go, yeah. right? So uh, you can't criticize, I mean, you could obviously criticize well, anybody. No, this is not a criticism. I know, I'm it's just saying just, that. You know, I'm just saying his hand is being dealt in plain sight. Right. And, and uh, no, I don't think he's trying to conceal it at all. Right. And not, I think it's, I think it's just it's human not, nature. You know, uh, I mean, practically half a billion people in Fortnite. Correct. But like, if you and I were, say, crazy sports car nuts, or like, we were huge stamp collectors, our world would be, I want to talk more about that, right? <laughs> right. And, <laughs> and, and it's just the logic of, this is the world he built. It's creatively successful. It's hyper, hyper used. And, you know, he's got a huge company that pushes things in that direction. So logically, he's going to talk about the things, just like when you see Tim Cook talking about Apple's vision. He's not talking about Fortnite's vision. He's talking about (laughs) Apple's vision, right? And because that's what he does every day. And he's a big proponent of this augmented layer because his devices do that. They do it well. And he sees a future for that. So it makes total sense to me. Yeah. So so leaving Tim Sweeney, but staying in the metaverse, 
Um, yeah. There was an announcement from a relatively small company, Super Social, that builds games like Ghostopia on Roblox. Yeah. And they just got a uh, $5.5 million investment to, to build more of them. So obviously, here's a, a content creator uh, who clearly sees a road to building a real company off the revenue they can generate from this one platform. Right. And, and this is what I love about you, Charlie, is you find these nuggets that are not at the top level of the press that everyone that we track and all the trade rags we read reports. We get the same six stories every day for the big ones, right? But once a week, once every other week, you find one that's a little bit lower in the spectrum of things that are really, really important, which is kind of why we love that the people that are into this are listening to this and tracking your newsfeed. Super Social is fascinating. And this blending of started with UGC, largely in Roblox, but now there are real companies with real economics building on top of that platform. Um, and that's a really important leading indicator that we need to keep a close well, it's, eye on. It's hugely important to Roblox because yeah. it shows that their economy is working and their um, builder incentives are robust enough to attract venture capital. Uh, and I think that's a first in the metaverse. Right. And I'm not sure on this show if we've talked about Manticore games. We might want to have a guest from Manticore games at some point. They're like a little more grown up version of Roblox that Epic talked about, that going back to Epic games, put a huge investment in. Um, and it does look much more like the Fortnite universes than the Roblox universes because their code bases and their objects are built upon that that thesis. But um, it's one that's also growing and you know has I'll tell you where thousand Epic, games on the platform. I'll tell you where Epic could run into trouble. Um, they're for all of their success with Unreal Engine, their building tools for Fortnite are not good. Hmm. And, uh, and well, that's so, why Manticore Games is what they invest in. They say, yeah. well. If people want to build a UGC world, we can roll our own or this company that's small, yeah. let's just invest in them and probably eventually acquire them, right? So, yeah. So we've got Philip Rosedale as our guest. I want to get to him in a minute. Yeah, but we should talk about Unreal for a minute. Before yeah, well, I was going to say, but uh, yes. it's smart glass time, everybody. Yes, it's smart glass time again. So, so our friends at Unreal have decided that a lot of people may not be ready for spatial computing, but they would be ready for a lower cost um, augmented uh, wearable experience mm -hmm. with, with yep. AR glasses. And, and they flipped the script a little bit on specs and, and on the Ray-Bans, which, which I wanna talk about because I have been wearing them. Uh, but they kind of flipped the switch because they're not taking video, they're showing video. Correct. And you know, and there's so much video consumption on mobile. Yeah. It's not crazy to think if it's good that a lot of people would want it more than people who would want uh, glasses that have a camera. Right. Well, and you and I have talked about this uh, numerous times on this show that the, the, the way this is going to play out is there is not one super device that's going to do everything correctly within the wearable space, certainly not for a number of generations of building these devices. So what I'm very excited about what Enreal has done and a number of other companies have done as well, like it was a little less known um, but TCL, another big TV manufacturer, announced a headset style device that is largely like put a big screen TV in front of your face at pretty high fidelity and it's lightweight and it doesn't have all the other GAC of all the stuff that you want for true spatial computing, but it's a, it's a step toward that equation. So a device that you're going to take on an airplane, pop on in the living room and, and use just to view a giant screen with, by the way, various levels of transparency. So as a user of the Enreal device for a number of years now, as they've been building it and figuring it out, one of the great things about it is 
you can sort of put up a screen that has a border and a wall like a computer screen or a TV screen, but you can also choose to just have transparent objects that live that don't require all this advanced spatial LIDAR tracking and camera tracking, but give you this idea of like, I want multiple windows and multiple things floating in my field of view. And if the device costs out at what they say they're gonna cost out, because the original device is I think six or $700, still very sold in just a few markets. It's just growing. This new device is lighter. It looks a little more like your Ray-Bans, um, no outward cameras, which is actually a good thing in certain cases. And it's really, really a smart thing of the, this is one of the five or six things you would own in your wearable compute universe. Um, so we're pretty excited about that in terms of, you know, what it looks like and, and where it goes. And if it ends up just being a few hundred bucks, yeah, there's your Bose ones, right? Yeah. So, so I was going to do a quick review of these bad boys. Yeah. You ready? So I've been wearing these Bose ones and I even got my prescription put in them. Um, and uh, they're quite good from an audio standpoint. Yeah, I use them all the time. They're actually yeah. pretty great from an audio mm -hmm. standpoint. They're not as good looking or as sleek as the Ray-Bans. Mm -hmm. and, and so when I put these on, the first thing I thought of was, oh, now I understand why Facebook was so hot to be in business with these guys because the glasses are lighter. Yeah, well, the design they're is smaller. Real glasses, they're right? smaller. They look better. Mm -hmm. And the audio, now Bose has fantastic audio. I mean, Bose is not going to put out anything that isn't audio centric and have the best possible sound. And even though these are not Bose headsets, they have fantastic. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to say they're as good as Bose, but they are good enough um, to be really competitive with earbuds. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the mark they had to exceed with these. Um, but I, I really am quite pleased with them. The, I do have one criticism. The, the charging case is an impossible yeah. thing that you have to take with you. So it really yeah. takes away a lot of the convenience of glasses. Um, but I love the way they feel. I love the way they look. Again, I don't know that there's a huge market for these things, but I do see how Facebook uh, is going to learn a lot. And I, and I think the main victory is working with a company like Ray-Ban to produce something so light and so good looking and, and that has such a great fit on, and hugs your face in, in such a pleasing way. So I, I can't say enough good things about Ray-Ban. Uh, like I said, limited functionality. Um, I'd rather have, you know, see video than take video that's me uh, of course uh, but you know kudos to facebook they've got to find a way to charge it like an iphone with the same c or, or you know the, the c charging batteries uh, uh, cable i know it, it 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 is you know hard to fit it in there um you know much easier to do what what they did with the um you know charging case but uh but i think good direction for facebook if they're going to be in the glasses business uh, I think making something that looks and feels like this is is gonna really help them uh, make a winning product. So yay Facebook, uh, we spend a yeah. lot of time criticizing them, but, uh, and this is, again, uh, the audio glasses, I, I'm not convinced is a real market, but they really have made some nice ones. Like I said, I, I, I like them better than the Bose uh, and I like the Bose a lot. Um, not a user of uh, Echo Frames, um, but uh, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, those are selling actually decently. So, um, well, and I, and I they, think they have Alexa integrated. So, of course, these these will, uh, you know, interface with any audio from from your phone. So, of course, you could have Alexa in any of these. 
Well, and I think market scale and market traction is actually not any of their objection with these devices at this phase. This, this is what I would call forward progress work. Um, it's the idea of starting to define fashionability, wearability, and feature set, right? And with a company with the kind of resources that they have, they can push this out for multiple generations and see where it goes and start to see where the traction points are. It's never, from my perspective, it's never about trying to like create a market. It's about building a product and seeing if a market comes to that and then knowing where they should go next, right? So this is a step in the equation. In a, in a different scale stage, very similar to what the Unreal guys are doing with Gen 1 to Gen 2, simplify the feature set because yes, there's a super user and a really sophisticated group of people that really want true spatial computing on their face, but that's a number of generations away from actual any kind of true practicality, right? Um, but the limited feature set actually be the most successful way. That's true because it, it took a minute to figure out how to use this. Yeah. And actually the app walks you through it in a really, uh, I think, thoughtful way. So uh, it, 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 it portends better things. So I'm, there will be many, many devices, devices. That so we'll use in our future. Many of the future and better things. Let's get to Philip Rosedale. Now we're welcoming our guest, Philip Rosedale, the founder of Second Life and High Fidelity, uh, which is a spatial uh, audio multiplayer uh, addition to a browser, which turns um, every network of computers into an office. Philip, welcome. Good to see you this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, we're, we're thrilled you could join us today. Uh, the timing could not be better. Oh, metaverse, metaverse, metaverse. Well, you were one of the originators. You were, yeah, you were well, the, you know, the first question I wanted to ask you, Philip, was uh, why, you know, we were talking about uh, the metaverse a, a few minutes ago uh, because Tim Sweeney uh, came out, if you will, in the Washington Post with a long explanation for what the metaverse is, uh, which in his case sounds like um, mega Fortnite but uh, without interference from Apple and Google. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, part, the thing that gets left out of every conversation is that Second Life, by all definitions, has been a metaverse uh, for, I don't know, like the past 15 years. I would call exactly. it generationally. You know, in fairness, Dean Takahashi did put that out there a couple of months ago. So yeah. At least someone is trying to keep everyone honest. And Second Life remarkably continues to thrive, not at the ridiculous scale it once saw, but it's, um, let's call it residents, are, uh, are quite loyal and established. So Second Life isn't going anywhere, and it has an economy, among other things, uh, which really mm -hmm. makes it very metaversal, in my opinion. Um, so, so what's your take, Philip? Well, the older I get, the less I feel I understand the word. And I'm, as you say, I'm responsible for being one of the, one of the original people to use it rather heavily. Um, I think that, you know, the metaverse is, the, the, the metaverse discussion is driven by a couple of big, big things, obviously. One of them is just COVID and the fact that everybody, the big tech companies in particular are wondering, you know, do we get to capture more of your social time? You know, like if, if people are going to have to move some of their social activities into online because of COVID, then everybody's circling, trying to figure out how they get a piece of that action. So I think that's, you know, that's one phenomenon. 
I personally think that the broader metaverse phenomena is driven not so much by 3D or 2D or even you know gaming or ga gamification, but instead by uh, social presence. The, the, the thing about the metaverse is simply that the internet as yet, strangely enough, basically isn't, it's a lonely place. For the most part, it's an information source, not a, not a social experience. And so to me, I think the metaverse word best means in a real way beyond the hype, <clears throat> you know, 10 years out, this continued idea that we might come together like socially online for different reasons, you know, and it, that could be shopping, it could be playing or whatever, but something where there are other people there, I think is the transformation we're trying to figure out. Yeah, we use the term social fabric a lot, right? And and this this kind of transposition of things that happened in the real world that created our the social part of our life our, and our social connectivity have, because of the pandemic, largely moved into this artificial digital video-based connectivity. And as you know, it's all about finding comfort zones. Human behavior is when they get comfortable doing stuff, they're habitual, right? And then they start to kind of lock into this way of doing things. The three of us are no different than most of the population that uses any kind of technology to work through their, their productivity day or their fun day or their connected with friends day. We've all had this forcing agent to sort of drop into what you innovated on and the numbers of others have innovated on in terms of the beginnings of, well, we can actually do this through a digital metaphor, through a digital layer, right? And all these different graphics and video and ways to stay connected. Um, so it's interesting that you're continuing to think about it and you're continuing to, to move the ball around um, and, you know, with Second Life and then into High Fidelity, which was, you know, all these different sort of experiments of maybe these new devices will start right. to be the thing. Uh, and then maybe another sort of uh, redirection, right? As you're looking at it now. Yeah, and obviously the VR device is a big dynamic, right? For the last what? Um, well, I started High Fidelity. We, we, we jumped on the idea that we could build a new virtual world designed for these VR devices in 2012. Actually, yeah. do well when just when the Oculus Kickstarter was happening. But you're right. I mean, the other big factor here is the VR headset. And and personally, I think the challenge is, is that there is no progress as yet toward what a metaverse experience would be in that kind of a, a headset. We, we've got a lot of ideas, but there's not any solid use case demonstrations. Well, so you don't think Altspace and, and VR chat and some of the other social platforms don't start to, um, to chip away at that a little bit? Yeah. Well, doubtless they do because, you know, in the case, for example, of VR chat, that you've got a community now that's um, on, at a similar size to that of Second Life, which as you touched on earlier, is, is pretty big. Um, so there's there's definitely an appeal to being able to go from looking at a 3D scene to putting a headset on. But I think what we still see is that the reasons for and the number of people that are engaging that is very small. It's not as yet a broad phenomena. That is, we're not touching base with our friends and they're saying, ah, oh, geez, you know, I, you know, I, it was it was equally easy. I had this VR headset over here and I put that on and I did the meeting in alt space. We're just not there yet. Um, it's still too uh, comfortable and imposing and, you know, high transaction cost of putting all the gear on. It's, it's, we're still we're still on the early side. Yeah, I often high talk transaction about cost as not the cost of the headset, but all of the friction surrounded. Right. The right. cost of wearing it I often <laughs> and talk not having about, your phone. <laughs> I often talk about 10 clicks to three clicks to one click. And VR to me is still somewhere between the 10 click and three click because we're all involved in it and are pursuing it both professionally and creatively. 
we're happy to deal with the 10 click scenario, right? So Charlie and I'll hop into play pro putt golf together or, uh, or a tandem right. beat saber. And we're a few clicks away and we're, oh shit, that's not working. Let's get on our phones for a second. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, then we're locked in, right? Whereas this kind of experience on a computer yeah. is effectively one click and we're in, right? Yeah. And I think that that's actually what all the companies are putting massive resources on, like Facebook is, why are we still at three or four clicks and why do people not feel like you can just push one button and boom, there you are. And well, that, of course, that, of course, getting back to Second Life is, is part of its secret sauce, right? Yeah. If you've got a PC, you're ready to be in Second Life. Everybody is used to the third person metaphor of controlling an avatar and having a presence in that way. And both on <laughs> Facebook and on Verbella, you do get an extraordinary amount of presence probably as much as you possibly could out of a 2D screen. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I you agree have with no that. presence and you have no, in fact, the more we talk about the metaverse and the fact that it is cross-platform play, meaning anyone with a browser should be in the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, the more uh, we talk about that and, and talk about how, you know, a particular device, an Oculus Quest, a Rift, whatever, can't be the defining quality. Defining quality has to be inside of the app. So my question yeah. is, even though, and I guess it's really answered by video games. Most video games, you are an avatar or it's a first person experience. Um, and all of those, you know, represent uh, ways of, of being in the quote unquote metaverse. But then when I think about what would it be like to spatialize the internet? And this goes to your other point, right? If every site were spatial, if Facebook were spatial, which is, I assume when they're saying it's metaverse, that's what they mean, that you're going to navigate Facebook in a different way. Um, I mean, it works in video games. Could it work in the internet? Does that make sense? Am I not understanding I, what it would be? I think, yeah, I think it's just that the, the challenges we have ahead of us are a little, or maybe are a little different than those that have been presented. As you said, the VR headset is a distraction. It it adds it adds a, it adds a type of presence and immersion, but it's not. It's a distraction relative to this broader question of what are we going to do online right. next? What's going to be I mean, in it? That's basically the question. The question is, what are we going to do online next? Right. And as I said before, the the COVID made it feel like well that needs to be more <laughs> like yeah. whatever whatever it is it's something more than we've been doing because now we're stuck inside we can't go outside so that you know there's there's a big pressure there but i but i think the things that are being done like you said like building vr headsets are not really solving the real problem and and, and this is where this sort of dystopian utopian top-down bottom-up thing comes into it which is if we're trying to design an online place that has the right properties for us to be social and to connect with each other and to wander in the same way that we do in the real world or say in a big city in the real world, um, what do we need to fix for that? And the stuff we need to fix is stuff related to like governance and moderation, right? How are we all gonna get along in there? If I can just walk in with an avatar or I can be anonymous all the time or whatever, how's that gonna play out? Those are the things that we're still trying to figure out how to design. We're also trying to figure out how do you get a bunch of people in one place? That's still a formidable problem. In the same way that VR headsets don't work well enough yet, same problem. Like typical social human experience easily can have hundreds of people sitting around. How do you do that technically? That's still a big problem. Right, you know, right I've been we, interested we, in that we part. clone the rooms. Yeah, and that doesn't work if you say, hey, where's Charlie? Char <laughs> oh, oh, he's in room 49, you're in room 2008. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, you and said I, it for me. And I think, Charlie, you brought up a good point about, you know, as we start to enter these spatial build-outs of what largely has been the, the two-dimensional web, the web 2.0, as we kind of talk about web 3.0, the leading indicators of that are youth culture, right? Are kids living inside Roblox to play those games, but then do an alternate of just playing those games where they just hang out socially or, you know, where they're just dropping into Fortnite without an intention of playing the game, just that's where they meet their friends. Just like the three of us would meet on a video chat, whether that's FaceTime or Zoom, because of our age range and our culture, this makes sense. You have a whole collection of people that meet up in Second Life because that's their comfort zone. Yeah. And a whole new comfort zone has been created that now the investment community, the entertainment community, the large sort of monetary communities, the FinTech community has recognized this may be the next battleground this may be the next place that where people are going to spend an inordinate amount of time just like they did when the 2d internet started to blossom and we started to get the first real browsers and the first real shopping experiences and you know eventually led into twitch and reddit and discord and etc 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 and second life sort of fell right into that timeline not at the very beginning but certainly not at the end you were among the earliest of that and like you were saying i think that the uh the test case that we're looking at, but it's dangerous to draw assumptions, too broad of assumptions about it. The test case we're looking at is kids um, playing games together. And in the case of something like Roblox, even, you know, young, pretty young kids, um, yeah. you know, playing at growing up um, socially. And so there, there is a model there that we can look at, but it's dangerous to draw assumptions from that. Like, you know, because there was a concert in Fortnite on sharded servers, of a of a pop star that means that all of us are going to uh jump into 3d worlds you know to have social experience i think that that's not there yet but we do have these cohorts like uh, uh you know young predominantly male computer gamers who are certainly you know people are certainly excited about having any any group like that spend more hours online and potentially capture some of it as revenue but i think it's hard to say and I, you know, obviously we think about this for a while. Uh, it's hard to transfer learnings from there to yeah, adults. I was reading um, some, some news in the last couple of days about this show that is trending on Netflix now called Squid, which is this Korean show Squid that's game. this kind of horror-based game where real death happens. And what's happening is in instances of Roblox, independent creators are creating, you know, unauthorized versions of this stuff and little kids that their parents would never let them watch that show have found it and they're Literally playing death-oriented games and now parents a little bit that are kind of a little more sensitive and aware of what their kids are doing which is not a lot of parents i was going to say this doesn't have parental controls yet it will yeah but it's just an interesting sort of a moment in time as we study yeah. it you know and look at it from a broader perspective of culture is we're moving forms of media across different forms of culture and different mm. forms of technology much easier than any other time that we've ever been alive, right? So it's happening. We need to create a, an online space that supports live you know, human culture. And for adults, that means embracing conflict and agreement, you know, mm. uh, and enabling people to work together to build sort of structure. I mean, in a broad sense, not, not 3D, you know? And you've got to build a fabric that enables that, you know, with the internet, we did that in a reasonably open, uh, straightforward way that, 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 you know, it, 
as you could kind of put up a website, you had a, a, a kind of an equal opportunity in there. And so that's good as a starting point. But the questions around creating social spaces that have those same equal opportunities are much deeper. And, you know, and I, and I, my, you know, cynicism or, or sadness right now is that I don't think we're yet addressing those things because of this COVID driven excitement around, well, there must be money in more, more <laughs> hours online. Isn't economic online. to do this? Yeah. Would, would you say, would you think, or would you say that as we start to study this and look at this, right, that the, the goals, the, the overt goals that have been postulated and put about, about this open, transportable universe that we all can move from place to place with our avatars and our identity, the, the big companies, the big economic drivers, the ones with these trillion dollar plus valuations that are stating this, do you think that's more PR and like that their mission statement is not their actual goal set? Or do you actually think they're legitimately aligned? Do you think the Tim Sweeney's and the Mark Zuckerberg's are really believing that they can pull this off? Or are they just trying to kind of build another walled garden with a slightly different rule set, but continue to hold their own? And well, it's an know, interesting question because there's, 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 economics there. there's another way of restating that question, right? Metaverse versus- Metaverses? Yeah. <laughs> right. Are we going to be in a siloized world or is there going to be something in common that makes us, may, enables us to go from place to place to place with the same identity and the same backpack and the same connection? The biggest question, right? But, yeah. I mean, the service provider, it, when you're a service provider, which I guess broadly could be said of both Epic and Facebook, mm -hmm. your goal is to simply establish standards that define the largest possible you know, growth opportunity for you and, and reach the largest audience that you can, you know, within, within some scope. So I think it's a very different. So, so when you talk to somebody like Tim Sweeney, he has a vision, which is very refined and, and he deserves a lot of credit for building the engines that uh, more than one engine that are under underlie that kind of a vision. But, you know, his vision is, is kind of, of an enormous game world in which the games are somehow, uh, enhanced by their ability to be connected to each other. I'm a little skeptical about that. I'm not, I don't see how my Fortnite experience and my Among Us experience, you know, uh, or my Roblox experience really kind of logically connect together. But I think at the bottom, so if, so if you look at the top down thing, you've got a bunch of people saying there's not opportunity. I think in Facebook's case, I mean, they certainly feel like they miss the ball on mobile. And of course, you know, they don't want to to do, do it, do it ever again, you know, and, and so, you know, they're trying to get ahead of it in the same way that, you know, they're to their, to their, uh, you know, credit, they, I guess, got ahead of, you know, images and mobile, you know, something like Instagram. But uh, so I think they're serious about being in the market. I think it's, but, but I think the signaling, the kind of signaling they're doing is identical to what you do in any case, right? Because it's just a hype thing and you want to claim the hype and Facebook's right now claiming the hype that is metaverse, right? But I think the bottom-up question is still, what would make us go there? You know, what what kind of reasonable freedoms or what kind of interoperability, what kind of currency systems or whatever would make us actually uh, go in as people? Yeah. Well, I, I think we actually kind of know the answers, right? It's comfort, safety, uh, sense of community, and ease of use. Understanding the wideness of the demographic that is actually in the in the planet. That it's mm -hmm. not just kids playing Fortnite or Roblox, that it's people that look like us and other people that look different than us and older people right. than us, and younger people than us and different exactly. cultures and different needs. 
And, you know, for all the critique and all the baggage and all the discussion of, of the, the Facebook and the other social networks that are out there, largely those goals have been achieved. They have found a way to tap into almost every, every demographic on the planet, right? And connect them into some social fabric that is at least somewhat relevant to them for moments in time. Most people use it for a period of time and then kind of leave it. They find less value to it, but some people stay connected to it. But in terms of every demo from cradle to grave, you know, it's largely yeah. been achieved, right? Yep. Well, listen, that's bringing us to the end of our segment, Philip. It was great to see you. This is obviously a topic we could talk about. Um, we could talk about for weeks, uh, if, if not, because there's no conclusion. Right, just like when you're talking oh, about yeah. the evolution of technology, there is no conclusion. There is no terminal point that we will reach. There will always be a next thing. Charlie, can I ask one more question before we wrap oh. up with, with Philip, just to see? Yeah. You know, he said he has another call, so I didn't. I've got another call coming in a couple minutes. Yeah. Okay, this will be a couple minutes because <laughs> it's a little bit of an audacious question. There's a lot of people that are fans of you and what you've done, and 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 you've been an inspiration to a lot of people. Yes. Can you give us any clues about what you're thinking about next and what you want to do next and anybody that's listening can help you on your journey with? Well, um, one thing I'm thinking about is, is how more broadly, even than virtual worlds, uh, community and, uh, you know, some of the things that are emerging in the crypto space around how people are try trying to, you know, pay each other and get along and make money and stuff. I'm thinking broadly about how all of that, given what we learned in Second Life, kind of applies to the world going forward. But I'm I'm sort of thinking about it in even a broader context than than 3D worlds. You know, I'm kind of thinking about it from, as I said, governance, moderation, currency, uh, communities, uh, you know, livelihood, you know, back security. You know, how how do we how do we do these things? So that's I, I'm kind of thinking. I'm enjoyably listening and thinking about all this you know, metaversian stuff right now. But uh, like I said, yeah, it's, it's a tough spot to really understand. And I'm, I'm still listening and thinking. I'm going to connect you to somebody who you're going to want to talk to. So uh, Great. good you. that you're thinking what we're thinking about, you know, the way that we move forward with this. And you're certainly one that's been thinking about it for a long time. So I think there's going to be some value in talking to some other folks that I've been chatting with. Just Thanks recently. for having me. Yeah, Always a pleasure. Always. Have a great weekend, Philip. Have a great Take weekend, care. everybody. And thanks Thank for you. listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your weekend.